Hey friends, welcome to Naked in Truth, the podcast that's designed to open up your mind, to help you break down walls and barriers in your life that you might not even know exist yet. But don't worry, every wall that we break down together on this podcast allows you the opportunity to level up and create your impact. With that being said, I think it's time for us to get honest, vulnerable, and naked in truth. Naked and Truth Podcast. It is me, Sari D, and I am back this Monday with a very special guest. Guys, we are so fortunate to have Dr. Curtis Griba with us, and some of you may know him from E3 Chiropractic. Some of you may know him on Instagram with his amazing information that he's always popping off for us, and some of you might just be getting to know him now. So Curtis, I'd love for you to say hey to our listeners. Let us know how your day's going where you reside, and just a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. Like Sarah said, my name is Dr. Curtis Griba. Um, it is a lovely Saturday morning right now, so I just had a lovely Ethiopian blend of coffee. Pour Ooh. over. Pour over is the only way to go. You got to grind your beans right before you put it in. Um, just enjoying a little bit of sunlight right now. Uh, so born and raised in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, uh, practicing chiropractic and a wellness type clinic going to be moving in, into a new location right away here, which I'm really excited about. That's amazing. And I actually am local to Curtis, so I get to go and check out that new practice. And guys, I am so excited because Curtis is somebody that is so different than any other doctor that I've met before. And although I know having him on here would be an asset for him to teach us all the amazing things that he knows, I'm actually having him on here to tell his personal story because I think that you can look at somebody like Curtis and assume that he's always just had it figured out, right? Like you can look at the guy and be like, man, I think things have probably been pretty easy for him. Like he's young, he's successful, he's on top of his game and he's opening up his own chiropractic practice. You know, at the age that he is, he should be extremely proud of himself. And that took some serious grind to get there. So we're going to go through his story today, teaching us about his identity and all that it really took for him to get to where he is today. So Curtis, I want you to bring us back to your school days. What did that look like for you? What kind of person were you and, and where were you thinking that your life was kind of going in, in a direction? Mm-hmm. So really, for the most part, kind of like my personal identity at that time started to take shape even towards the age of when I was in like grade seven. Okay. Um, all of a sudden I hit this pretty incredible growth spurt and my athletic abilities just skyrocketed. Mm. Like I was 13, 14 years old and I dunked basketball for the first time. No, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in grade seven competing against all these high school kids and basketball yeah. and in football and all these sorts of stuff. Uh, so when I go into high school, my focus is very much so in athletics like I was still I still did good academically I was an honor roll stu- honor roll student throughout high school wow. but I knew that I had an opportunity to get an athletic scholarship so I was throughout high school I played a lot of basketball played a lot of football okay. I competed with a provincial team with basketball in grades in grade 10 Um, and then in grade, no, sorry, in grade nine provincial basketball team. And then in grades 10 and 11, I 
played for the provincial football team. Wow. And going as I was graduating grade 12, I was actually ranked as one of the top 25 football players in Canada. Holy smokes. Did you hear that guys? Like that is one big accomplishment. So obviously right now, even though he knew that his grades were pretty good, he knew where his focus needed to be, which was sports, because clearly that was about to create a big future for him, especially if he's receiving titles like that before he's even graduated. Right. So Mm -hmm. continue on with that. Yeah. So as I was kind of getting, getting ready to graduate high school, I started to get a lot of scholarship offers for football. So it was, it was a really like, it was an incredibly exciting time. I, I essentially from BC all the way up into the Maritimes, I was getting scholarship offers for, to play football. So I ended up accepting a scholarship to stay at the U of S. I wanted to stay home. It was all, it was always one of my dreams to play football for the Huskies. You can, there was actually kind of ironic um, when the Huskies were lost in the great cup, I think again, like I was in grade seven or grade eight and our school hosted the pep rally and the news came and actually in a news interview, I had stated that one day I wanted to play on the Huskies football team. No way. Yeah. And then like fast forward five years at the dog's breakfast, when I get like introduced and all the stuff as a recruit for the Huskies, I get interviewed again and they literally pull up this clip and say, yeah. So it's like, this is you in grade seven. This is you now. Like, how do you feel? Like literally a goosebump moment. You know what I mean? Cause for, for us to say that we, we are accomplishing our dreams and goals like that and to have it down on video where it's like, look, you know what I mean? Um, that's, that's a really incredible moment. So congrats to you on that for sure. Thank you. So it was, again, as I was going in from, high school into university like my focus was very much so on athletics I knew I was going to be I had a very good chance of being quite successful at this mm-hmm. um, and then with that being my focus I also knew that's academically like within university I still had to do well enough in order to maintain my scholarship but when I graduated high school I actually didn't think that academics was going to be an area of my focus because I thought I was going to graduate and then become a firefighter. Okay. So in order to become a firefighter, you have to go to the different colleges like firefighter college in Brandon and everything like that. Okay. But once you retire from the truck, which mandatory retirement from the truck is I think around age 55, if you want to get into the administrative side of firefighting, you know, working your way up to being the chief, you need a bachelor's of commerce okay so i was like well i'm gonna be at university i'm gonna be playing football uh, instead of trying to get my BCom while i'm working i might as well do it right now while i'm playing football so mm-hmm. i chose commerce not necessarily because i was incredibly interested in, in learning business, finance yeah. or learning how to be an accountant like i was very interested in business i was very interested in small business In my opinion, commerce doesn't teach you how to work in a small business. It teaches you how to be an accountant or a finance manager or something like that in a, you know, in a massive, in a massive firm or it teaches you corporate business structure, not small structure. That's it. Yeah. So commerce was not necessarily my passion in there. So it was like, well, while I'm here my grades are going to be good enough to keep my scholarship and yeah. then I'll kind of actually work towards doing what I want to do after I'm done with football. Great idea. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of all got 
flipped on its head a little bit at the end of my rookie season. Like there were a couple big things that ended up happening just like to myself and with my family during my first rookie year playing football. That made um, it kind of stressful for you, traumatic kind of thing. Yeah, it just really switched how I viewed my future, viewed the world, everything like that. So in January of 2012, my mom ended up passing away. So that oh, was just at the end. hear that. Thank you. It was just at the end of, you know, Christmas of that first rookie season. Yeah. And then that was kind of like one of those moments where obviously your world gets shaken up a little bit, but it was Absolutely. really sudden and really unexpected. Yeah. And with it being so sudden and unexpected, it and everything happened so fast. Like we went from her passing away to her funeral in less than 10 days. Wow. And it's one of those things where you can't, because everything happened so quickly, you can't really take the time to comprehend what no. actually happened. No. And, and so, nobody, and nobody prepares us for moments like this, right? Like there's no. nothing that we've been through in our life, unless we've been through something like that, that actually mm-hmm. gives us the tools to know how to even cope that quickly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when people, people don't necessarily realize the weight of their word, the weight of the words that they say to someone in that scenario, mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm 18 years old at the time, and people are coming up to me and saying, like, hey, we're so sorry for your loss, but you have to be strong for your dad. Mm-hmm. And like, in that moment, it's like, they're not really like giving this. They're disregarding it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not giving this 18 year old kid like their permission to feel the emotions that they're going through. Totally. So in my head, it was like, hey, like, screw it. We're not really dealing with this right now. Where it's, we're just, I'm going to push it down and we're going to keep going and be strong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We are pushing this down real far. And essentially, everything that I did, it was like, okay, I'm going to put my time, I'm going to put my time and effort into football. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, do all the things that you know I need to do to be successful with that and just push everything else down like as far as it can go in the meantime. Wow, that's incredible. And and then of course, wouldn't you have it, as I'm in the midst of doing that, just kind of less than three months later, I end up having a very severe knee injury where my knee essentially went backwards. (gasps) And yeah. Ew. Okay. First of all, yeah. ew. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, I can't even imagine. So like when did that happen during football? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so was that yeah. during a game, during a practice? It was during, it was during the last winter practice. Like in the, in the winter, we would have off season practices in the soccer center. Okay. And it happened in the last practice of that winter. No, like, first of all, like, Getting injured during a practice is such a bummer to begin with because you're putting your effort into nothing right at the end of the day. Like, yes, you're practicing and getting better, but I would have at least preferred to blow my knee out while I'm winning the game or something, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say there? I was just going to say it's absolutely gut-wrenching to get injured in practice. So now then what were you like in that moment? Like, did you have to get a, um, like an ambulance to take you out on a stretcher? Were you able to walk to the car to go to the hospital? Like, what did that look like in that moment for you? I very much so got carried, carried off, uh, right. carried into someone's vehicle. Uh, and then I did get taken to the hospital because like with the severity. So I had like, again, this was a very severe injury where I tore uh, three four ligaments, three tendons. I blew out my entire knee capsule and then I ended up actually tearing a nerve along the back of my leg. 
So with, especially like with that nerve injury, I started to lose sensation into my foot. And that's what I was just about to ask was like, are you still having any problems with that nerve damage? Because obviously Curtis can walk. You guys can't see him right now, but he can walk his knees. Okay. Um, But are you still having any damage from, from what happened with your nerves? A little bit. Um, one, so I've had three surgeries on that. Knee. One of one of the surgeries that did happen was a nerve graft, which is actually really cool, really interesting. Uh, there's one very long nerve that goes along the bottom of your calf or kind of like the back of your calf that goes just to the outside of your foot. It's called yeah. your lateral sural nerve. Okay. And this is a very, it's the actually longest single strand of nerve in your body. And its function is actually really, really minimal. It only supplies sensory function to about the outside of your foot. So it's a very commonly used nerve for grafting. So what they did is they would make a couple incisions along my calf and they would cut that nerve. They would pull that nerve out and then they would graft it behind the back of my knee where that nerve was torn. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm sure so many other listeners are like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Well, no, I'm sure half are like, that's cool. And then the rest are like me, like, ew, oh my God, I can't believe that that's what they're doing. Okay. So let's be serious about how serious this injury is. What does this look like for affecting the rest of your career in this? Oh, it completely ruined it. Um, I couldn't walk for nine months. Wow. And so like, let's just be honest here, guys. He's in university. He's on his scholarship. It's his rookie year. Right. And he ends up having that knee completely blow. Like he knows that there is at least nine months of recovery on this. So what did that look like for you having to take a step back from the team? What did that look like for you continuing to pursue this dream? Like you were probably going through a huge identity crisis at that time. Oh, a massive identity crisis. Um, it was, it, it, all in all, just to put it bluntly, like it really sucks. Yeah. Um, for numerous reasons where A, it's like, well, now all of a sudden, like for first of all, like as like a, my crappy decision of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. With everything that happened previous in that year, yeah. all of a sudden like that coping mechanism is completely taken away. Um, I'm bedridden. Like after that injury, I was in the hospital for a week. Um, and you know, you go from being like strong, independent, like an athlete, and then you're bedridden. I was in bed in the hospital for three days without having to move. Like I literally had to piss in a jar. So like, not only was he already like a male who, in my opinion, males do have this stereotype where they have to be strong. But then with what happened with your mom, you had extra pressure on you for having to be strong. And I'm sorry, but nothing makes a person feel more weak than not being able to look after themselves fully. Right. And like he's oh, saying, like, like, no, like nothing feels more weaker than when you're trying to piss into a jar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those are not yeah. moments where you feel like you're strong and he's having to hold himself together on this. Right. So yeah. I, I can't even imagine everything that you were feeling in that. So you're in the hospital for a week. Um, what does that look like coming out and you having to take care of yourself? Like, were you close by family to be able to help out or. Mm -hmm. So I I was living with, I was living with my dad, um, and one brother, I think at the time. So obviously, and like the biggest thing is I can drive myself. Like when I got out of the hospital, like my knee was locked straight in a brace. 
So I, in order to go anywhere for a period, I think it was like that for four weeks, I had to lay across the back seats. So I had to be driven around everywhere. I had to do like, I was completely dependent on other people. So you never felt like a pain in the ass, right? I bet. Oh, never (laughs) at all. I also, yeah, like I also definitely didn't milk it where if, you know, oh, you need something from the basement, shoot, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, for lack of a better term, again, like it really sucked where I had to rely on everybody to do anything. Um, the only places I could really go was between my bed and the couch and kind of the kitchen. Like I could make a smoothie and then I had to put everything essentially into a sealed container that had a handle so that I could carry it while I crutch around the house and all these other sorts of things. Yeah. And, and how much your life had to change in just that little bit. And what's so crazy is just going from somebody who's so mobile and somebody who is like, literally, like you said, using um, football and movement and the gym as therapy for yourself to get through these things that you're going through. Now you have it all taken away, which already sucks sucks a big one, but then that's even harder is the fact that now you're having to look at your future of being like, what the fuck do I do now? Right? Like that's where it kind of left you. So in that moment of feeling at home, like I want you to be honest with these listeners, if that's cool with you. And I want you, I want you to let them know, like, what were you feeling at that time? What were your honest thoughts in your head? Like you had worked so freaking hard. Like you were that kid on the news broadcast being like, yo, I'm going to go play for the Huskies and you did it. Yeah. But now you're here. And what did that feel like? It was brutal. Um, there was kind of, like we said, like there was a really big identity crisis where for a very long period of time, I was not confident in myself at all. And I didn't know who that person was. I never really understood what I was. I never really took the time to understand who I was without sports to get to know and, him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're really forced into that opportunity where you don't have, again, you're. I placed my identity with something that I did, not not the person that I am. Mm. And all of a sudden, the place that the place where I did put that identity was immediately taken away from me. Mm-hmm. So now it's just like the scramble of a search in order, like okay, well, how do I find it? Or and again, do was I smart enough to, in order to actually like, take the time in order to like introspect and find it within myself, or did I just look in the outside world for the next? thing to place my identity to to rely on other people in order to be comfortable with that with myself or again to just to continue to push everything down and just rely on others rely on the inside world and just kind of grab hold of anybody that they could to latch myself onto them in order to feel comfortable and confident see and what i think is so so good about this is that a lot of us do this without recognizing that we do this right we don't actually know who we are and we take things that we're passionate about whether it's uh like sports music art um whether it's our job you know and Mm -hmm. we put our focus on that this is who we are this is all that Mm -hmm. makes us who we are but the truth is is that that's not your full identity and that and even though it's a part of you that's not what makes you so when that gets taken away especially something like a sport which so easily can be if you don't know who the fuck you are and that gets taken away 
Like yeah. Curtis is describing right now, it's a really scary spot to be because you put everything into your identity, into that one thing that you were so passionate about, thinking that that made everything of who you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then when you can't do that, who are you? Right. Yeah. And that's why you can't put that all into who you are as your soul identity and really mm-hmm. make sure that you're taking that time to figure it out. So now Curtis is having this epiphany and he's like, Hey, I either got to go the, the wrong route where I lean on everybody else trying to build myself up or I try and figure this out myself. So what did you end up doing, Curtis? Oh, for probably at least three years, I did the exact wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being honest about that, because I think that a lot of people don't realize that you can be both. Yeah, it took me it took a while in order for me to um, understand that I was doing everything incorrectly. Like I kind of refuse. I just absolutely refuse to try to give up the identity of maybe I still am a football player. Yeah. And like especially with football, like it's really tough because everything that has to do with football is numerically based Mm -hmm. like you know who you are is put onto a stat sheet Mm -hmm. you are you know like for myself like you are six feet tall you weigh 190 pounds Mm -hmm. you you run a four six forty you do this if you run you your broad jump is 10 feet your three cone drill is this feet your hands are this size it's like literally everything about who you are Mm -hmm. And what matters to, you know, the coaches or to scouts or to anything like that is all onto that sheet. Like that mm-hmm. is Curtis Grippa is this. Mm-hmm. And then literally all that was completely stripped away. And then it's where now I can't run the 4640. I can barely walk. I can barely get out of bed without passing out. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, I have to get back to that. Yeah. It's not, I, it wasn't a taking the time to, okay, well now I'm finding out who I am, it's okay, well, how hard do I have to work to get back to being exactly who I was before I got injured? Very good. So then it was, again, like at least three years of literally just continuing to latch my identity to that person. And then again, continuing to not take the time in order to sort myself out. So then any time that it was getting into a new relationship or meeting someone or like with friends or anything like that, It was latching my happiness and my future onto a different individual Mm -hmm. and then just relying on other people constantly in order to be comfortable, in order to feel confident. That validation, right? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Because it was impossible. Like it was impossible for me to just like sit into her in a quiet time by myself and just like stupid. So then it was, again, just constantly relying on others or other things in order to try to find that sense of identity or happiness. This Okay. First, I got to thank you so much for sharing that because that honesty is exactly what we like to hear on this podcast, because this is the shit that we actually go through that we don't tell people about that, you know, they only, they only see the end Curtis Gribba and they're like, damn, look at this guy. But they would have never assumed that for three years you were trying to latch on to other people to hold that validation of your own identity that was already lost. And I think that there's a really important lesson in all of this for the fact that we do we, we try to go back to the past and we try to match it. Like you were saying, you were like, Hey, like my old stat sheet said this, and I need, I felt like I needed to try to match it again. But the Mm -hmm. truth is, is that life is always changing. We are always growing, which means that the, what we're faced with is always going to change as well. So for us to be able to go and compare this season right now, compared to three years ago in that season, 
is mm-hmm. totally fucking irrelevant in my opinion, because there's absolutely nothing that matches up the same. So why we're trying to keep putting ourselves in this box from a past season doesn't allow mm-hmm. us to grow into our current season. Does that make sense? Because oh, we absolutely. keep trying to match ourselves to our past self, but we're not that person anymore, right? We need to grow yeah. from that. So, so you, you had these three years of trying to figure it out. And obviously mm-hmm. there was a lot of awkward moments. There was some dark moments, but you obviously Absolutely. had a light bulb moment at the end of that, where you're like, yo, this isn't serving me anymore. I need to yeah. do something different. And what did that look like? So my big light bulb moment happened. So I actually ended up rehabbing to the point where I went back to playing football. So nice. it took me, it took me about three and a half, four years where I pushed myself and got strong enough again, like to the point of I was ready and capable of playing football, which was, you know, again, it was looking at who I was going to be and everything like that, like that past event, he was like checking that box off of the gap. You're still a football player. But in the grand scheme of things, I also do think that it was a really positive thing because due to the severity of my injury, if I wouldn't have rehabbed it to a point of being able to play high-level sports again, would I have rehabbed it to the point of being able to play rec sports in the future? Yeah, period. Or just like how how long would you have been able to stay on your feet once yeah. you hit your 30s, 40s, right? Like that mm-hmm. type of thing. No, it's it's true. Yeah. So I think the fact that I did push myself into rehab space hard enough in order to get to that point was, I think, really important for like health and longevity in the future. I agree. But then it also kind of got to this point where because I was playing football, I had to maintain a weight higher than what my body typically likes to be at. Mm. So like as of right now, like my body is really like a typical happy spot for me to just maintain weight is about somewhere in between 185 to 190 pounds. Okay. Like, not a massive frame, but just enough to like be strong and athletic and kind of do all the things I love to do. For sure. When I was playing, I was keeping myself somewhere around 205 to I think the heaviest I got was 215. Wow. And guys, this takes work. Like I, I know everybody thinks that like you go into the gym and you lift a couple weights and it's like, boom, you're buff. But like, seriously, uh, from a girl who's trying to grind out and do it, it takes some serious work to be putting on this mask because it's not like they want him all to just gain fat either. Um, they want it to be a nice balance between the two, right? To make sure that he's still got the muscle to take down the the, the guys yeah. on the field that he needs to, right? Um, very, very interesting. So you're like, okay, it's starting to get a little bit difficult to, to maintain this weight. And it was honestly just painful. Like having that amount of additional weight from where my body really wanted to be at. Like it on got your to joints? The point it's- yeah, especially mm-hmm. on that knee. Like it got to the point where it was in the morning, it was getting up, sitting at the edge of the bed, and be like, Woof, like this does not feel good. I don't enjoy being at in at this weight. Mm-hmm. And then all of the constant stress of running and doing these things on that knee at carrying that additional Extra weight. Extra weight. It got to the point of just being waking up every day, just constantly being in pain. Well, and I just want to note to our listeners that there is a comfortable weight that our bodies like to stay at. Obviously, it's different for all of us. But when we are at that weight, um, it is a lot easier for us to be able to manage impact on our joints and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I just know as a personal trainer, I have a lot of clients that complain about arthritis, especially in the winter and things like that. But a lot of us don't realize that extra pain is coming from the extra weight that we're holding on our bodies um, sometimes and that it is really important to make sure that you are looking after your health. Um, so that you're not just leaning, assuming that you have arthritis because your joints are sore and knowing that a lot of it can come from 
eating the wrong things, having too much weight on your body, extra, extra. And you look at, you look at somebody like Curtis. So he's a super young fit guy. Okay. He's in his twenties at this point while he's putting on this weight. And like, that's only 20 pounds difference. Like, it's not like that's a large amount of weight that he's carrying compared to what he normally is, but look at what a difference he noticed, especially on his injured knee. Um, but as well as the rest of his body. So I just wanted to note Mm -hmm. that there. And then just taking like a really quick nerdy, like sidebar, especially if we're looking at the idea of like arthritis and pain, especially if we are carrying extra extra weight and what the type of foods that you're eating in order to carry that extra weight. Like for me, I had my normal diet that I had to maintain in order to, but because I was working an active job, like I was landscaping and doing all these other sorts of things. Like I was eating 5,000 calories a day and not gaining weight. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had to start adding in crap food so it was okay like every friday night i would have pizza and all these other sorts of things which are very highly inflammatory foods so then if you look at the role of inflammation in the body especially like the role of inflammation and like joint pain Mm -hmm. like if you look at any sort of injury whether it is like a disc herniation or arthritis or any of these sorts of things the image of that disc herniation or the image of that arthritis has very little correlation with the amount of pain that you feel but it's the amount of inflammation like surrounding it, mm-hmm. which is a higher correlation with pain. And actually the fun thing with an MRI, especially if you're looking at disc herniations or knee injuries, you can actually see the level of inflammation. In those really? Joints. You can. Wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So if you're, e- if you're eating a really crappy diet, if you're eating a really high, highly inflammatory diet and you're experiencing these things, yeah. then that can completely change your pain perception as if you maybe had a little bit of a better diet, you decrease that inflammatory markers and that same joint that maybe has a little bit of a bit of arthritis because you're taking better care of your body as a whole, that pain is going to go down. Oh, I love it. See, and guys, like you could ask this guy anything, I swear to goodness, and he will nerd out all over you. It's amazing. <laughs> so I know that I'm going to have Curtis back again in the future to teach us lessons on different things, but I knew that his story was going to be so impactful for us along the way. So you're trying yeah. to figure out how to deal with this weight currently because it's yeah. hurting your body. Yeah. So my kind of um, my, again, my further light bulb moment that we kind of digress from was I was in such pain and I had always in my mind that it's like, well, you can't be the person who quits. Like I didn't want to like quit the sport, even though it was causing me so much pain. So then all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, it's like, well, I've already had like one pretty severe, one really severe knee injury. If I had one additional injury, that was just like a little one, but like enough where people would understand that because I got injured again, I would want to step back. then maybe if I got injured again, then it would give me a bit of an out. Without feeling like you're the one quitting. Yeah. So then my light bulb moment was the fact that I actually started to think that way. Just like if you're at such a point in time where you're waiting and almost at this point hoping for asking for an injury Mm -hmm. so that you could step away, like maybe it's just time to step away. Yeah. Let that pride go. Right. Yeah. So at that point in time, again, like once that thought process started to happen, it's just like, okay, it's, it was leading up to spring camp after like my first season back, it was going okay. into the next spring camp and it was a pretty, I think I made the decision about two weeks right before spring camp. It was like, guys, like I, I can't do it. Like it's, it's legitimately time for me to step away. Like I need to, 
which obviously was one of the hardest conversations you've probably ever had just because of knowing that, you know, it was such a wild ride right from the beginning, I guess. Like it was something that you cared about so much and you saw so much of your future going into, but you also knew that you were having to grow out of your comfort zone to have to say goodbye to these guys. Because the biggest thing that I want you to know out of this, if you don't recognize it yet, is that that wasn't quitting. Right. And it's like, to me, when you quit, it's like things get hard and you give up and you didn't, you were like, okay, like I, I, you were still pushing through absolutely everything that you could, but you recognize that you could be in a really serious, scary spot if you kept progressing and some like, let's be honest, you got, you got that hurt in your practice. Like, yeah. The, the chances of you doing that again, pretty high. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I'm really proud of you for d- doing that, having that conversation. I'm sure everybody was so sad with you saying that, but were they understanding? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of people were pretty understanding. I know even a lot of people were kind of surprised that to the level that I was pushing to come back. I think a lot of like teammates and coaches thought that due to the level of injury that I had, that I was going to step away at that time. Yeah. Um, but when it did come to finally stepping away and just to kind of having that explanation about why and kind of where I was landing and everything like that, everybody was very understanding. So it mm-hmm. was, yeah. So it was, you know, that was again, just kind of like finally getting comfortable with the point of saying, okay, it's time to legitimate, legitimately step away from playing Huskies football and just kind of move into the next part of the life. Okay. So Curtis is now retiring his football career, guys. Yeah. And what does that look like now? Because that was Curtis's identity moving forward. So now he's got to mm-hmm. re-identify himself. Yeah. And that honestly, that process, even though I did kind of leave football at that time, I don't think I truly did a very good job of kind of shifting my mindset quite yet where it was still okay well now I don't like my passion and vision and everything like that isn't within football mm-hmm. it was still trying to like okay well what's the next thing to latch it on to what's the next person to latch it on to not again even though I did a good thing and taking a step backwards of and leaving football it's mm-hmm. I didn't do it at the same time of like taking at that time to also get to know work you on. again right yeah and like I, there were a few times that I tried in order to do that, but then it just got too uncomfortable. I'm just like, we're just going to not do that quite yet. <laughs> that is super important because guys, it's not comfortable getting to know yourself, which is why I think we suppress things a lot of the time, which is why I think we don't give enough time to us, like assess how we're doing or even give grace to ourselves for what we're accomplishing before we're going to that next thing. Um, it's not always comfortable being with yourself, even though you live in your body every single day, but it's so important because when you do take the time to assess how you're feeling, where you want to go qualities about yourself, it allows you to have less frustration moving into your, your future years. Um, because I can promise you that your shit is going to come back to slap you in the face. You are going to come up to it, whatever it is that you're choosing to suppress. Um, and there, that there is going to be a moment where you're going to want to go to the next level. And you're not going to be able to until you're willing to sit down and look at your shit. And I think that this is what happened with Curtis as well, right? Is that you oh, had those couple of moments where you're like, yeah, I looked into it. Mm, this is kind of gross. Don't feel like, don't feel like dealing yeah. with it. <laughs> but then something must have happened where you're like, hey, I got to figure this out. Yeah. I don't know if I absolutely had like an exact moment. I think it was kind of like a process where even yeah. so 
once I did finish football, I knew, especially with my knee injury, I did get very interested into healthcare where I knew that again, just with all the stuff that I went through with my knee injury, it was like, okay, well, I wanted to find somewhere in healthcare. And I, initially I thought that being a medical doctor was going to be the place for me to kind of like transition into of course. Uh, um, where, especially after having all these knee surgeries, the idea of surgery got really got in my head, it got really interesting. Okay. So then I started diving down the path of, okay, well, maybe medicine is where I want to go into start. Look, so I started looking into that and then it just didn't, some of the things it didn't kind of check all the boxes that I wanted to check off. Um, where as far as kind of like my personal autonomy that I wanted to have as a professional mm-hmm. wasn't always there. And then from just my, where my impact was going to be on a human being, I felt like where I was going to be able to run into a patient as a medical physician was too far down the line. Like if I got into orthopedic surgery or something like that, that's kind of like their last step. Like that's their last option. They, you know, they've true. at a lot of, in a lot of ways, like they've failed care in many sorts of other areas. And like their last ditch effort is getting onto that surgical table. Yeah. And, and, and then a lot of the time too, is like, they're making people wait until certain ages, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So then just as it kind of start to, again, assess the, the impact that I want to have and how I wanted, again, my future life to be. Yeah. Then I started to look at other options and my dad and my brother are dentists and I couldn't get into that gig. That's just <laughs> not where my, that's just not where my interests lie. That's okay. So then, so then it kind of started getting into other areas of healthcare. And for me, yeah. just with the scope of practice and the type of license that I'd be able to work with, chiropractic became kind of the best choice for me. Wow. So then I Throughout the process, I kind of transferred into physiology and pharmacology. And then again, when I decided that medicine wasn't for me, I transferred from physiology and pharmacology to kinesiology and met just a unreal group of people there where a lot of those people from Kin are still some of my best friends and Uh everything like that. So it was just honestly like going into Kin was kind of an eye-opening experience for me where I found like I finally found a- Your people again. Oh, Absolutely. It was it was so much fun being in Kim, being surrounded by people who like being active, like being healthy, and like want to push people and yeah. help people become active, healthy, and kind of like the best version of themselves. Well, because like that's the part that we didn't touch on is that you know Curtis had his community when he was in football. All these people like mm-hmm. the same things, and don't get me wrong, there's always a, a dick on the team that nobody likes, but you know Absolutely. for the most part, you know everybody gets along, and and these are your people. You're showing up together, and you're literally. Mm-hmm trying to accomplish the same goals together. And that sense of community is huge. And, and even though I know when he stepped away from it, he still had tons of friends. It's not the same when you're not in that group directly doing the same thing. And then now he is in school showing up with people who like to show up the same way that he does. And he got to find his people again in, in those years of trying to figure out what that really looked like. And I think that that probably was such a reassurement a reassuring moment for you. Um, so when you're in kin, were you still doing this at U of S or did you end up traveling for some schooling? What's, what's happening at this time? Yeah. So kin, I was still in at the U of S I was in kin for two and a half years. Okay. And then during that process, I ended up applying to chiropractic school, which was, I then moved to Portland, Oregon for chiropractic school. Wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, so what I was, was your in- experience out there? It was really, honestly, Portland was really fun. 
Uh, it's a very outdoorsy community. Um, it feels like a larger Saskatoon, actually. Oh, nice. Okay. Because it is, again, built on either side of a river. Uh, and within my first week, I felt like it was a little bit uncanny. With like Within my first week, I saw a van driving by that had the logo of Bridge City Electric on it. No way. Yeah. So you were like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty much home right now. So I, yeah. I got confirmation I'm in the right spot. Yeah. So it was good. It, the food scene was unreal. Like the amount of local like mom pa shops for like every culture you could imagine was incredible. Uh, and then there's, you know, being with, with it being Oregon within yeah. like a half an hour driving distance. There is a ton of hikes and everything that you can do. And because, again, it's Oregon and during winter, it just rains for six months. Okay. It's year-round golf and the golf courses are always in impeccable shape. Wow. And even, again, like within driving distance from the school, they're within half an hour driving distance of the school, there's like six golf courses. See, and like that gives you the ability to build up um, that structure that you love so much in other ways to keep yourself healthy, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you get to go to the golf course if you need a break from school or, you know, mm-hmm. whereas like in, in, in a Saskatoon, we, <laughs> we have winter, a good chunk. Like I want to almost say like eight months out of the year. I know people are like, yeah. that's a little bit drastic, but when you think of all yeah. the months where it actually snows or the weather sucks and you can't actually get outside to enjoy it, um, yeah. it is pretty much like we're stuck inside those eight months. So I'm yeah. really happy that it gave you that experience to be able to, um, because that is so good for your mental health and studying and, and even just bringing together the holistic side of your practice, because you are a lot more holistic than Mm -hmm. I feel like some doctors really are in the industry. Um, and it's really, really cool because you have a vision, like I said, like, like I've never seen before with another chiropractor. And I want to know in Portland, how did it start to create your own vision for what you were about to come back to what was your idea that you were about to create and did anything tie in from what you went through in that terrible experience with your knee um, into Mm -hmm. what you were about to create and provide to your clients in Saskatoon when you came back so like my experience in Portland ended up obviously for numerous reasons shaping up like my practice in Saskatoon in many many ways Uh, one thing that's I did in Portland while I was in school there that helped out drastically was I took so many continuing education courses, so many. Uh, I would take at least kind of two to three to upwards of five continuing education courses every three months. So like in school, we would go in quarters. So kind of we would then we would have 12 quarters of school. So I think after from quarters three to three through 12, I would take at least two continuing education courses per quarter. Unbelievable. Uh, So then just like using that opportunity to learn everything about other options, like other treatment options, because again, you know, a lot of people will take chiropractors. Like, well, all chiropractors do is just adjust people and then that's it. It's like, well, maybe for some, yes, but if you're looking to be able to provide like a really good impact and, be able to change and shape that person's life if all if the only tool that you have is a hammer then everything that walks into the door has to be a nail 
Mm. So being able to take the opportunity to learn a bunch of different techniques, a bunch of different courses and shape how I see that person walking in the door so that no matter, and obviously this is going to be a continuing, continuing learning process for my entire career mm-hmm. is, you know, continuing to learn and getting as much information as possible so that I'd be able to find a treatment option for anything that walks in my door. See, and like talk about short-term pain for long-term gain. Like I know that you doing your education moving forward. First of all, you need to hear the guy's like schedule and everything that he does with just his regular research of of articles that are coming through monthly. But I know that you're not going to feel as much pressure to take on as many courses at once because that at that time was your time to focus, to be able to grow the vision that you wanted to get as much as you could underneath your belt to allow you to set yourself apart from the beginning and then allow yourself to keep leveling up from there. And that's what I want to remind everybody is that, you know, most of us go through our university years and we're like, let's party, let's just get the bare minimum done, get our degree and we're good to go. Um, But when you're looking at that long-term, like he saved himself so much work while he's, because like right now he's building his practice. Okay. He's building his practice. He's building his own building that he's going to be looking after absolutely everything. And that takes so much attention. Does he have the time to be doing six? courses in a quarter because he needs to to set himself apart from his practice that he's already running no like that doesn't make sense and he really took the steps that he needed to focused his time appropriately um to be able to have this come to light so you had mentioned something there that was really important and you had said that a lot of people say that you just go to the chiropractor you get a crack and and, yeah. you, co- and you come back and that's, and that's the way it kind of goes. So what yeah. is your analogy of your approach with your clients and how you personally view chiropractic or how it should be? Mm-hmm. So I, like my personal view is I always try to do what I can in order to help teach my patients to be able to take care of themselves. So like many times, especially for a low back patient, there are many instances where I actually won't adjust them in their first appointment. Because my goal is obviously, first and foremost, during that first appointment, we have to do a really thorough exam to find out what's going on. And then once we do find out what's going on, what can I teach them in order to manage their symptoms when they're not in the clinic? Mm. So oftentimes, like I have a handful of different techniques, but uh, one is kind of like the McKenzie method of mechanical diagnosis and treatment. The other is neurodynamics, especially with low back pain and any pain that goes from like your low back and down into your legs or with neck pain that has pain across like the top of the shoulders or into your arm, we can find different movements or different kind of positions for you to put, put yourself into that's going to allow to manage your symptoms when you're not in the clinic. So again, my goal in that first appointment is how can I teach you to self-manage this when you're not in the clinic? But then we also have to understand that there's a reason why that is happening, that there is a why behind the what. And again, within that first appointment, we're doing movement screens. We're assessing how you stabilize your low back. We're assessing how you stabilize all of the muscles throughout your entire spine, into your hip, into your shoulders. And oftentimes, especially if you're looking at kind of what that typical adjustment does, is like those adjustments help joints move that aren't moving as well as they should. But those joints are stiff oftentimes because the muscles surrounding that joint are hypertonic and tight because they're compensating for a lack of stability elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So like the site of pain is always the site of compensation mm. for dysfunction elsewhere in the body. So if I, if all I do is just hammer the site of pain with adjustments, soft tissue work, or all these other sorts of things, but I never address 
the site of dysfunction elsewhere through rehabilitation and strengthening exercises, then I'm 100% missing the boat. So what Curtis is saying in that, guys, is that if he's not teaching you how to not come back, he's not doing his job. If he's not teaching you where to find the root problem, he's not doing his job. And so it's it's really funny because majority of us would be like, yeah, I went to the Cairo today. It was my first appointment. Didn't even crack me. What a psycho, hey? And you're like, wow, what a waste of money. So it's funny because we're so used to going into the chiropractor. And we got this, this little body on a sheet and we need to circle all the pain spots that we have. And then we give it to the doctor and then they're just going to go and start popping us through. And that is the experience that I'm used to prior to seeing Curtis. Now, what he mentioned there is so important is the fact that everything is connected. And so a lot of the time where the pain is coming from is just a compensation of where the actual root problem is coming from. So that's why he doesn't get you to just fill out this body and then start popping off of the, the spots that you circled. Um, he really gets to know your body. Where is this coming from and how do we stop it from happening in the future? Because as much as he loves you and wants to keep seeing you and grow in his practice, he wants to see people not in pain, which is exactly why he started this business. So mm-hmm. Curtis, I just want you to let everybody know off of your story, what would be a piece mm-hmm. of advice that you would give with somebody who has had some big plans in their life of how it was supposed to go. And then life came and smacked them in the face. And now they have to choose to either let it derail them or to allow it to be a pivotal moment to, uh, to see that this is happening for a reason and might actually be leading them to their destiny. I want to know a little piece of advice you would give somebody. So like the biggest thing is taking the time to introspect. And I kind of like one of the biggest books that, that really helped me was actually it's by Victor Frankl who survived the Holocaust Mm. and it's called a man's search for meaning. So he was a site. He was a psychiatrist, a Jewish psychiatrist that ended up going into a, into a death camp during the Holocaust. And through that time, he essentially created a type of therapy. It's called logotherapy where it's again, like through the man's search of meaning, it's like, how can we find meaning in just like this greater like span of life? So the biggest thing that I did that now I think is going to help, that is going to help me drastically for the future is I put like my level of like my area of meaning in not what I do, but in things that I want to accomplish and like the type of person that I am. It's like being able to take the time and understand like who I am as a person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and being able to check off. Like if I introduce myself, it's not, I'm Curtis Gribba. I am a chiropractor. That is what I do. That is who I am. It's like, yes, me being a chiropractor is a person that I am for my patients. Me being a significant other is a person that I am for my significant other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But who I am for me is like, yeah, through my experience, I was able to take a step back and understand, like, I'm a very driven, I'm a very tenacious person. Mm-hmm. You are. I am also someone who, like, if we're looking at, my, like, my leadership style, I'm also a very relational leader. I value relationships. Mm-hmm. So being able to shift my vision of what I accomplish in the future based off of that. Mm-hmm. So then again, like, even from, like, a professional fashion, it's like, I am not like my value is not in me being a chiropractor because again, I know this, like what I do for a living is a physical job. It requires the use of my hands or use of my feet, use of my shoulders, everything like that. Same thing as football. Mm. If I get hit by a bus and I lose function of my feet, 
chances of me being able to only, you know, chance of me being able to be a chiropractor while in a wheelchair is pretty slim. Yeah. But I know because of the vision that I have for what I want to accomplish, even if I get hit by a bus and I lose, and I lose function of my feet, I'm still going to be able to work towards the vision that I have for what mm-hmm. I want to accomplish. You're still like going to be able to be Curtis after that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if we're looking at like the vision of E3 chiropractic, it's not to be the best for, it's not for Curtis Griffith to be the best chiropractor in Saskatoon or in the world or whatever. Like the vision of E3 chiropractic is to improve the health and longevity of Canadians for not only now, but also future generations. I can do that without my feet. I can do that without my hands. I made that purposefully so that I can, you know, again, if my arm gets cut off, if I lose a finger, I can still work towards that vision. Mm -hmm. And if I coach other clinicians, if I just shift or, you know, the worst word that anybody wants to hear in 2022 is if I pivot my skill set. (laughs) Pivot! If I pivot my skill set and start to focus in a different way, I can still work to accomplish accomplish the vision that I want to have. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that if I like if I get injured in such a manner that I can no longer practice chiropractic, I all of a sudden can have a complete loss of identity again because I still have my core values, I still have who I am, I still have the vision of what I want to accomplish in 30 years. That was straight fire. Okay. I want everybody to actually take a second, um, either pull out your notepad on your phone, or if you're old school and like to use a pen and piece of paper like me, then go ahead and do it because you guys should be writing down what your core values are. Like I know, for example, for me as a wellness competitor, um, you know, it's hard not to put that all as my sole identity, but I can tell you that there's so many more reasons for stepping on that stage than just to be the best wellness athlete out there. And that's what I really need to, um, understand is what are those values to me? What is it that's putting me on those stage on that stage? Because it's not just to be the best wellness competitor. And I think that we should be doing this exercise when it comes to, um, whatever it is that we are applying as our whole identity, right? Because I think, Oh, sorry guys. I think that there, uh, I think that there is too much that we put into our whole identity without realizing that it is just such a small part of who we are um, and what it is that actually we are that attracts us to these things and gets us to do these types of things. So take some time and do an exercise off of it, guys, because I... I I seriously made this podcast for us to better understand who we are. Um, And Curtis just gave us some really, really awesome information here. So I cannot thank you enough for coming on here and sharing your story, Curtis. You're so much fun to follow on Instagram. So I will make sure that I go and tag your Instagram down in the notes. But I want to know where can everybody get in contact with you if they want to A, learn from you. B, they want to come and check you out as a chiropractor local in Saskatoon area or anything else that you do for people. Because I think that there's there's some other stuff that you have up your sleeve going into different companies and stuff and teaching them how to allow their employees to be successful um, with, with their muscles. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in just kind of random Instagram uh, information about how to just live a a little bit better on a daily basis, you can absolutely follow my Instagram page, which is at e3chiro.yxe. Like Sarah did mention, I am starting to go into businesses and I create custom programs for that particular business where after understanding where your major pain points are, 
I'll again, create that custom program, make videos of different exercises for you to be able to perform. And then you actually end up getting a, a custom made webpage for your business wow. that that's going to have all the information that we talked about, the videos of those exercises so that you're able to go back onto that website, onto yeah. that webpage and be able to access all the information that we already chatted about just so that you don't forget it. Beautiful. And like, guys, I don't want you to underestimate the importance of that. You know, I've, I've worked a desk job pretty much my entire life. Sitting is the new smoking. Um, and I can tell you that when you're in pain and your muscles are tight, you can't think properly. You're not doing your job as good as you regularly could. And honestly, investing in this as a company to make sure that your employees are doing the best that they can be, um, like it's invaluable, honestly. And it, it takes 10 minutes out of your entire day to do this. And we know that we're pissing around on company time hour for 10 minutes a day, at least. Right. So there's, there's no reason why you guys shouldn't be incorporating this into your day to day. So um, what is the best website for everybody to reach you at? Best website is www.e3chiropractic.com. You'll be able to get a little bit more information there. Again, I do have a blog with a bunch of information that I do post there. If you'd like to book book an appointment, if you just go to the top right corner of that website, there's going to be a schedule an appointment now button. And it will take you to my online scheduling, which is easy as pie. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for this great information and teaching us all about your story and where you are and where you're taking your vision. Um, And I just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. I hope that you learned a lot from this episode and you guys know that I will catch you next fucking Monday. And that's another honest episode dropped. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Naked in Truth, where we come together every Monday morning to set the week off with intention. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram page at Naked in Truth Podcast to stay up to date on future episodes, guest speakers, and other kick-ass info that can help you continue to create your impact. And you know that reviews are so valuable when it comes to building a community of like-minded people. So if you enjoyed this podcast, Please, please, please drop some love on Apple Podcast Reviews and share this episode with someone who you think needs it. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in to today's episode. I'll catch you next Monday. And don't forget, love always wins.